Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 242nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to talk about another Tar Heel entering the transfer portal, the one that we expected to transfer all along as Caleb Love did officially announce his decision to exit the Carolina basketball program. We'll talk about all that, the ramifications of that, his legacy, and so much more. We've also got another Tar Heel that's entered the portal as well and an update on the on the job that Carolina is doing in the the recruiting part of the portal trying to get players in to the program as the as they try to continue to rebuild and overhaul the roster in preparation for what's going to be a very important next year but we start every edition of the pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings, and we're getting presidential up in here, baby. We're oh, going to man. FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and uh, his quote, Frankie, it, baby, is uh, I think it just applies to Caleb Love <laughs> transferring. It is quote, people acting together as a group can accomplish things which no individual acting alone could ever hope to bring about and that's the end of the quote and you know that was dramatic when you look at at caleb love's decision to transfer um it's not surprising i think i think we knew once this season kind of wasn't going where it was supposed to go really after the, the the wake forest loss this was this was a something that became a reality. I think mm-hmm. we knew from that moment on it was just a formality that uh, he wasn't going to be a part of the program moving forward. There was an obvious disconnect that existed between him and his backcourt mate, R.J. Davis, among the other teammates, uh, uh, especially of the starting five. There was a disconnect between him and his head coach and Hubert Davis, despite 
despite Hubert Davis leaving him on the court for an insane amount of time while putting together one of the most inefficient seasons we've ever seen from a, a Tar Heel starter in recent history. But it's not all bad when you look at when you look at his story. And a lot of it, if we want to be honest, isn't his fault. Um, he arrived in Carolina with expectations that uh, were, were, were valid for a five-star point guard. He was supposed to be the next great point guard at Carolina, coached by a legendary head coach who has coached great point guards in Roy Williams. But he showed up at the time where the sports world and the world was just in a different place. We were battling a global pandemic, and because of that, college basketball navigated its season playing in empty gyms. And so Caleb Love's very first year at Carolina, he didn't get to experience all the things that make Carolina, Carolina. And lived, he was a- lived out of a hotel, had to live in his own room. Remember, they couldn't even really get together for team meetings. Definitely wasn't the same as, you know, it always, it, it, it usually is. I mean, this was, a, I mean, these dudes were literally cut off from the rest of society to make sure that they could play in these games. So, yeah, it's, I mean, to say that his first year was chaotic, I think, is being being kind about it, I guess. Now you look at, he was a, the, the, a part of a team that gave Roy Williams his first ever loss in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Three weeks after that loss, Roy Williams announced his retirement. Um, and a big reason why was with the changing world of college athletics with the NI, with, with NIL, transfer portal. But at the, the end of the day, the biggest reason why Roy Williams retired was because he felt like he could no longer connect to today's athlete. And one of the biggest reasons and one of the, and one of the biggest uh, evidence of that was it felt like he never got through to Caleb Love as a freshman. All the other great point guards that Roy Williams had coached in their freshman years, it finally clicked. It never seemed to happen for him. So in comes Hubert Davis, and in comes a new style of offense that's going to make the game easier and get the most out of them, which at the end of last year, it eventually did just that. It, it, it got the most out of him. But it wasn't this night and day you know, you know, it, it wasn't this this overnight improved level of play. You had him willingly admit after a loss at Wake Forest that he said he didn't play hard, or at Notre Dame that he didn't play hard in the first half. There were multiple twenty point losses where it didn't seem to bother him or, or or affect him in a way that when you get your butt kicked like that, the way that it should. But when the season was on the line, the guy that was there to rescue the team was Carolina or was was Caleb Love. He hit. The shot that gets forgot about the most in the run last year, the shot against Syracuse at home on senior night Mm -hmm. to force overtime in a game that Carolina had to win if they wanted to make the tournament, that happens. Of course, he then is a big reason why Carolina goes into Cameron Indoor Stadium, beats Coach K in his final game ever at Cameron, solidifies Carolina as an NCAA tournament team. We'll we'll always have the picture of him with his tongue out with Armando Baycott kind of dunking the ball in the background to seal the win over Duke. Then you fast forward to the NCAA tournament where it felt like in the second half he put on his Superman cape and made every big play that he had to make. Most notably, you look at the shot against UCLA to tie the game 
game at 64 on a on a play that was made possible by Armando Baycott making a heroic effort on a rebound going out of bounds. And then we get to what he should be reminded or remembered for all along, the shot over Mark Williams in the Final Four. You hear it in the very intro to the pod that retired Coach K for good and sent Carolina on to the national title game. And then in the national title game, a game where Carolina would blow the biggest halftime lead in the history of the title game in the history of the tournament, when the game on the line down three, who was the guy that took the shot? The guy was Caleb Love. And everybody in the world thought he was going to make the shot because he didn't make the shot, but he didn't. And when that when that shot didn't go in, there was this belief that existed that everyone was going to come back and we were going to go chase down the, the goal and dreams of winning a national championship. And that's what happened. Everybody came back. They all released individual videos saying they want to come back and win a national championship. And instead, Carolina goes 20-13. and 13. They become the first team to ever start the season preseason number one and missed the tournament since it's expanded in 1985. They suffered two four-game losing streaks during the course of the year. And what happens when all this stuff happens and when, when, when things don't go the way they're supposed to go, that means somebody gets blamed. And the guy that has gotten blamed just as much as Schubert Davis has been Caleb Love, and, and that's why we're sitting here today with him making his, his exit out of the Carolina program and him leaving behind a legacy that will be as hard as ever to really define giving all the, the, the great things that he did and then all the not-so-great things that he's a part of during his three years in Chapel Hill. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's probably the most complex legacy of any player that has ever played at Carolina. Um, and the weird thing is, is we're talking about the other guys that would you would probably put in that category. Really, to me, it, it's probably two other guys. You would put the legacy not as a player, but as a player combined with his time as a coach, Matt Doherty, and probably, and 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 this one is to me, I don't think you would even put him anywhere close to this guy. This guy may be in his own category, Rashad McCants, um, because I mean you're you're talking about a guy that has maybe the most iconic shot in program history. It's up there. I mean, probably Michael Jordan in, in the 82 title game is, is probably the one that most people would, would look to. But it's it's in the upper echelon of those shots because it came against Duke, because it came in the Final Four. And yes, ultimately, you know, it, it, it wasn't a buzzer beater, but it was the kill shot. That was the moment that pretty much everybody recognizes as that game was over with that shot. So I, I mean to me, I think that's how you you should remember Caleb Love. When 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 you first think about Caleb Love, that's the first thing that should come to your mind is that shot and the tournament run. And I think a lot of people are going to try to convince themselves that really he was a one, it, it, this dude was one shot. 
And that wasn't true. Carolina doesn't even get to the Final Four without him. He had a 20-point game in every single weekend of the tournament. The first-round matchup against Marchetti had 23. The Sweet 16 game against UCLA, Carolina does not have any chance to win that game if Caleb Love does not play the way that he did. He had 30 points in that game and just went insane for Carolina. And then you have the 28-point performance against Duke. The shot was huge. The fact that he scored 28 in that game, Carolina needed every one of those points because we know what that game was. That was a back-and-forth slugfest between two of the greatest programs in the history of college basketball. And he was really, I mean, him and Brady Manick, the main reasons that Carolina was able to pull that out. So that's how I think you should start when, when you're looking back at Caleb Love and his legacy. From there... Then you can get into the complex nature of everything that that goes on. But look, I mean, it's not all on Caleb Love. I I think that he he definitely has to take responsibility for some of the things that happened because you can't tell me that there weren't times where he was out there on the floor and just continued to put up shot after shot and Roy... Hubert, the other coaches on the staff weren't telling him, hey man, you gotta look for other guys on on the team here. Your shot is not there tonight. And there were probably times where Caleb Love still felt like, I know I, all I gotta do is hit one. That's the mindset that it always felt like he played with. And you saw last year during the tournament, that mindset worked out really well for the most part for Carolina up until that final night. And and the other thing is, and some people have been doing this today, people putting that game on Caleb Love, the re- that's the reason that Carolina lost that game? Come on. How many guys actually played great in that national championship game? I, I mean, really nobody. I mean, Armando Baycott played the best of anybody in that game, but remember the big issue for Carolina in that game was the foul trouble that Leaky Black got into. If he doesn't get into foul trouble and he's out there against Ochai Abaji, who knows how that ends up working out. Not saying it's on Leaky Black. I'm saying that that was a good job by Kansas to know we got to go after their best defender. They did. Credit to them. And that's how it worked out. But it's it's just, there's it's an uh, it's as big of a roller coaster as you are ever going to see from coming in as a freshman and and disappointing, although I think with that you talk about you know the COVID times along with the fact that it's a freshman point guard under Roy Williams. That's always been something where it takes time for guys to develop, and you wonder if Roy was still the head coach, what would that developmental pattern have been like? You then go to, to last year, the start of last year. You know, it's a first— time head coach not a first year not not the first uh year head coach at North Carolina Hubert Davis the first time as a head coach at a level above junior varsity basketball Hubert Davis and so it took some time for him to settle in but when he did it really worked wonders for him and then you go to this year where he regressed significantly. You know, he, he ends up leading the team in scoring, but the percentages are way down, and the frustration started to grow throughout the year, including from myself. 
Um, and I think, you know, you got to a point where this decision ultimately makes sense. And to be honest, it, it's it's probably the best thing for him. And look, I'm I'm definitely, you know, part part of the issue. I was very critical of him. Now, I'm not somebody that would go after him on social media. I don't think that's fair at all. I think that there are plenty of people that probably criticize me in my job verbally, but there's no need to attack somebody. And I just felt like there was a point in the middle of the season where I think everybody probably realized the best thing for him and for this program is for these sides to part ways. It felt like it was just time. And we've been there before with plenty of professional athletes. Hell, we've probably even been there with other college athletes. This is the one that's just freshest in our mind right now. But you really do hate to see it because this is a guy that seemed to have grown pretty connected to the university. I know there are people that are still going to question it, but I mean, look, he had, you know, the normal routine that he did with Roy Williams. I find it hard to believe that this kid just did not care at all. Um, I just think he's one of those guys, you know, and, and, and I think Leakey was like this to a certain extent that just didn't show it on the surface at times, kind of an even keeled guy. He would show his frustration sometimes, but he wasn't a guy that would really, you know, fly fly off the handle all the time. He wasn't a guy that would you would see outwardly crying in a lot of situations. Um, but I mean, that that's just that's just who he was, and I think he's he's a guy that you can't you shouldn't be too hard on because it didn't work out here because. He still gave you a lot of really good moments. I just think there, there is, you know, there's times, and especially it seems like more nowadays than even in the past, where these extremely talented high school players just don't work out wherever they land, and that, that's the story of Caleb Love. It feels like you know the thing is when it when you look at him, he made one of the top. Well, he made one of the, the five biggest shots in the history of the program. He also missed more shots than any other Power Five player who was three years in Carolina. So there was a there was a fit issue. Um, simply put, he didn't fit this year, and he didn't really fit his first year, and he didn't really fit his second year until the games really mattered. And and, and so I, I look at it and say sometimes that you, you, you hit in recruiting, sometimes you miss in recruiting. I don't know if this is necessarily a miss. I don't think it's necessarily a hit because he, he gave you he gave you memories that are going to last they're gonna last a lifetime. And this is a guy that he wanted to come back. So in, in a lot of different ways, man, I I I, I envy that. Because he he dealt with a lot from a fan base. Um, I haven't seen local or even national media attack a kid the way that he got attacked this year when all when all was going wrong. Um, and look, I'm not going to sit here and apologize for criticizing him. That's my job. I mean, if I want to sit up here and hold hands and sing "Kumbaya," that's just I mean that's that, that's just not what we're about. You know, there's a standard that you got you got to uphold. When you put on that uniform, when you walk out of that tunnel, 
And at the end of the day, he didn't uphold the standard that 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 is that is expected of him, that is required of him. And that's really one of the first times you could look at Hubert Davis and saying, you know, he's making a head coach type of decision. Now, why this decision wasn't made during the year when it was pretty obvious that he was hurting your team at certain junctures in the game, we'll never know. Um, we were at the game against Georgia Tech where he got benched and Carolina went on an 11-0 run to close out the half. He starts the second half, and he plays well. The team responds to him, and Carolina blows out a bad Georgia Tech team. So there was evidence of him being sit sat on the bench, but not just and him not checking on and, and him still doing a lot of things on the court, but. The, with 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 RJ and Armando coming back, you couldn't you couldn't run the risk of allowing him to come back into your program, and 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 allow whatever it is that exists between the, them them to fester, like Baycott and RJ Davis coming back are, are are and was more important than Caleb Love coming back. That was always the case, even if this thing went went really really well and Carolina made the tournament Final Four. Or whatever, because Caleb Love, if if, Carol, if Carolina has the type of year that they wanted to have with his body and his size and his ability to shoot, could have been an NBA player. Today he's not. Um, that's why he's staying in college and going to go via the, the transfer portal. And so as Hubert Davis is coming off a disappointing year and he has to rebuild his program and overhaul his roster, it was important to keep certain guys a part of that. And those two guys are R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, two guys that will be back in Carol or in Chapel Hill next year um, for the 23-24 season. And so... Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, when when I read his post, it was just very, it was very mature of him, the way that he put it out there. Um, he took the time to honor and thank Coach Williams for allowing him to, you know, uh, re- reach, his, reach his dream or achieve his dream at play at, at such a pristine program. Um, but he also did acknowledge that it's been very challenging. And that's, that's, that's what every kid is faced with when when they come here and you know there's expectations when you come here as a five-star point guard to perform and perform at a high level the only thing that i would change about his time in carolina is the 22 national title result i i I hope he makes the shot they go to overtime and carolina wins the game and and maybe and maybe the program isn't sitting where it is today, where you have seen six players leave the train or leave the program through the portal. But this was the one that was the most expected, and this was the one that was that was needed. It was time. It was time for Carolina basketball to move on, and for and for Huber Davis to move on, and for Caleb Love to move on. The only thing that sucks about this is I don't know if he comes back. Um, and that's that's a real hard pill to swallow when you consider how important his his shot was against Duke. We may never get a chance to welcome him back and to a certain degree make amends for the way that he was treated um, during his three years at, at Carolina. I mean, we weren't we weren't shy to criticize him. Um, we both pretty much said in a roundabout way. We can't wait for the day to come to never see him not play at UNC ever again. 
Well, that day is here. And the thing that I think I, I, I struggle with when I think about this is is knowing or, or, or having the thought or the possibility that he might never he might never come back. Um, we never know. I mean, Matt Doherty <laughs> took a lot of abuse and now he comes back. Um, Rashad McCants doesn't. And that's on both parties where they probably don't extend the invitation and he doesn't. We he don't doesn't, want him back. And he doesn't want to come back. Um, but this feels like for Caleb Love that he is in that Larry Drew the second type of, of stratosphere. Oh, wow. Which isn't fair because he accomplished more than Larry Drew could ever dream of accomplishing. This is what happens, though, in the age of social media and where, where fans say whatever it is they, that they want to say about a player. Um, and, and so that, that's the thing that sucks at the end of the day, he, he gave a lot to Carolina basketball and in a lot of ways, Carolina basketball will ever be indebted to him because unless Carolina and Duke meet again in the final four, they'd have probably to meet in the national title game. They've got the, the ultimate trump card and the greatest rivalry in all, in all of sports and he's the guy that you ultimately have to think when it's all said and done and say, this is the reason why uh, that, that that we have the upper hand in the rivalry. So Yeah, I mean, look, you said there aren't there there really isn't anything else that you change in his career. I mean, I I wouldn't say that. I really do wish that his I wish that last year, that run in the tournament. You conclude it with a national title. He leaves. He doesn't he, come he, back. He leaves, and that's it. Or, or if you can't change that result, let's say you're not allowed to change that result, I really do wish that he had been able to build off of what he did last year, even if the team doesn't cut down the nets. Because this NCAA tournament that we're in the midst of is freaking insane. There is no other way to put it. I I I really I, I really wish that it had just it, it had worked. I I hate this because I don't. This this is like what's the reason to hate this kid? Like I, there is no reason to hate this kid. Like he's not somebody that's come out and and spoke out against the program. He didn't quit in the middle of the season. Like th- this is the other thing. It would have been real easy for him to just come out mid season and say this isn't working. I'm out of here. I mean, hell, we had a you had a player from Duke the year that they missed the tournament in 21. Who was it? Jalen Johnson, I think, was his name. He literally quit the team in the middle of the season. Caleb Love could have easily done the same thing because it was the same type of scenario over there where their fan base was going after him. They were saying a lot of different things about him. And Caleb Love could have easily done the same thing and been like, you know what? I'm out. I'm not dealing with this. Whatever. I can't imagine what it must be like to go on social media and see that stuff over and over again. And then you're talking about the rumors about you know him and RJ, the reasons that those two guys are bickering. I mean, that has to just be the worst on top of everything that goes into being a college athlete. I mean, I I just, I can't imagine. I I feel terrible for him. And I really do hope that he is, he goes to what, you know, wherever he lands at, he finds a spot that fits him well. I think there's been a lot of people that have been putting it out there. And I think it's fair 
to say he finds a coach that is a little bit more strict with him, will try to correct some of the things that he has in terms of the mindset of the way he plays the game on the offensive end of the floor. And I I really hope that he goes somewhere and finds some nice success because I think he deserves it. And that's why, to me, like you put him in the Larry Drew category, and I think that's it's similar, but... I don't. I just to me, I don't ever see him coming out and saying the types of things that Larry Drew. Larry Drew thought that he was the greatest player to ever step on an NBA or, or on a college basketball floor, and that he was just being that disrespected. Well, here was the difference: we saw the dude that was behind you, uh, Larry Drew. You were nothing compared to Kendall Marshall, and you proved that when you got to the next level, and you didn't do anything because you're still garbage. Um, I don't think that's the way Caleb Love will be seen. I don't look. Will Caleb Love come back to campus? Who knows? That's a big question mark. Will Caleb Love be the type of dude that I think is going to go into the media and just trash the university and Hubert Davis and Coach Williams? No, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope not. I talked with Josh Graham. He hosts a drive on WSJS earlier this offseason. I asked him about Caleb Love, and he said he is to Carolina what Austin Rivers is to Duke, a guy that made a big shot in the rivalry, but for the most part was a was a frustrating player that that fans have have tried to forget about for the next, since he left campus. I don't know if it'll be the same way for us, but that is a great comparison. Well, that's a look at the first guy to have entered the transfer portal for Carolina or the latest guy to enter the portal for Carolina. When we come back, we'll tell you about another guy who who, who set to transfer and exit the program as well and give you an update on the transfer portal, including the first guy to commit to Carolina in this cycle. All that and more coming up next on this edition of the Four Corners Podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays, parlays and odd boost all tournament long. So be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have. Whether you're betting on the Sweet 16 action like UConn and Arkansas, or maybe maybe in that Elite Eight matchup where the Final Four will be decided. You can do all that and so much more at DraftKings Sportsbook. Simply draft, uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code TBPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that promo code TBPN. Minimum age and and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. 
We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Get the DraftKings, use those promo codes, make bets all NCAA tournament long. So Caleb Love is in the portal. Another guy entered the portal over the weekend as well. That is reserve big man. Will Shaver, he was a redshirt freshman who enrolled early during the 2021-22 season, played in three career games for Carolina, totaling just six minutes. The reason why, you know, this one kind of hurts on the surface is he was the first ever high school commit to commit to Hubert Davis, and he was a guy that we knew as a three-star coming out of Alabama. Um, was going to be the type of guy that was going to be around the program for four years. And I think Carolina needs those type of guys. And we've seen those guys have, you know, a great value. Um, you know, what 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 Joel James meant to, to Carolina, just a guy that did it all and was just a great locker room guy and, and stuff like that. The thing is, is that this transfer was in the works last summer. Um, Huber Davis met with the media and was asked about Will Shaver and decided to offer up and express how uh, dissatisfied he was with how his early enrollment went. He said it just wasn't a good fit for for either party involved. I don't quite know how, why, or, or why that is, or why or why not that is, considering as all he did was just practice with really the second team and the scout team and stuff like that, but really once that news or really once that opinion became public, you could have really just seen the writing coming on the wall for Will Shaver because he probably knew even entering this year with Mondo back, they added Pete Nance, and as Jalen Washington was getting healthier and healthier, he wasn't going to have a role on this year's team, and that was that was very true. Of course, he had a, a, a foot injury that caused him to miss the rest of the season, and now you look at the roster makeup, and we were talking about this the other night. You know, Carolina now has to fill needs in in in, in every area of its roster. In the front court, they needed they they needed to add another big um, because Armando Baycott, Jalen Washington, Zayden High just isn't enough. You've got to add multiple wings, and now with with Caleb Love in the transfer portal, you've got to add at least a guard maybe even two, just depending on how you fill out the rest of your roster. And so that's what I look at this and say, on on, on the surface, not a big loss. Um, it, it, it opens up a scholarship that may be more valuable to Carolina. Um, I don't know if Will Shaver was ever going to play a, a, a significant role at UNC. So now you have that scholarship opened up. You can you can you know address all these needs a lot more easily in the transfer portal um, as as recruiting. You know you're only adding to the 23 class if you have someone reclassify from the 24 class really at this point in time. But Will Shaver has decided to leave the program, which brings us now to a transfer portal update and Carolina has officially landed their first commit of the transfer portal cycle. All right, hold on. I got to do our breaking news sound effect. Nah, nah, that didn't work out. What are you doing? Who we got? Okay, that don't don't do that ever ever again. Um Paxson Wojcik from Brown. He is in 
He has transferred into Carolina. We're not going to go fully in on him. We'll give him his own spotlight podcast. Um, but Carolina is officially on the board. And I think we should have known this this was going to happen upon him being on campus kind of unreportedly over the weekend. We didn't really know he was coming to campus until he was all but concluding his visit uh, with with Carolina over the weekend, but he has committed to Carolina. Um, he is the son of former UNC assistant Doug Wojcik. He was in Chapel Hill, a part of Matt Doherty's staffs back in the mid-2000s. This is a guy that has played at Brown. We saw him up close and personal um, two years ago when that Brown team took Carolina to the brink. Um, and, and this is... This is the this is the first step to Hubert Davis rebuilding rebuilding this roster. And I think the biggest thing or the biggest concern that will come out of this is he's a mid-major player. The last time we went from, from went the mid-major route, Justin Pierce, Christian Keeling, it didn't really work out all that well for Carolina, but given the schools that were interested in him and stuff like that, I, I do think that he does feel like a natural fit here in Carolina, and his ties to his dad's time in Chapel Hill, you would imagine, play a role in this as Carolina uh, has officially got their first transfer into the program after seeing six guys so far leave the program via the portal. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a good pickup. It's a guy that can shoot the three ball well. It's a guy that can stretch the floor. I mean, look, he's a, he's only 6'5", but here's the other thing that's real interesting about him. He, he averaged over seven rebounds per game. Now, yep. you could say, okay, he plays in the Ivy League. At least we know he's smart. Here's the thing. Got good IQ. Uh, where did the Ivy League champion season end this year? Sweet 16. There you go. So, I mean, again, like, I get it. It's not the greatest level of play. There's concern. Here's the thing that I don't really understand, because as you would imagine, the fan base, the fan base is just, they they are loving this edition, right? No complaints. Nobody's freaking out. Folks, if you think this is the biggest fish that Carolina is getting in the transfer portal, I have some beachfront property to sell you in Utah. Like, I don't know what to, like, it's, guys, it is one piece. It's a dude that can stretch the floor. To be honest with you, he's probably a guy that the staff envisions will end up coming off the bench for this team. And if he can play that role well, then great. If there is a point in the season where he is just shooting that well and they feel like he can go into the starting lineup, outstanding. But this is not the end-all, be-all. Keep in mind that Carolina, with Caleb Love leaving and Will Shaver, who you just talked about there, they are now up to six open scholarships. The 2023 recruiting cycle is closed. You look at the reclassification candidates in the 2024 cycle. Elliot Cadu... Still seems like he's going to be making up his mind. Remember, it's not the easiest thing to be a 17-year-old out there playing college basketball as a freshman. So you got him. Ian Jackson, in the article that was put out by 24-7 Sports where he sat down and did the exclusive, yeah, he talked about 
St. John's and, and basically saying there's nothing to worry about right now. I'm still 100% committed to Carolina. But there was another part in there where Deshaun London, who was the guy that wrote the article, asked him straight up about reclassification. And he said, as of right now, that is not the plan. And that's been what they have been saying for a while with him. And then Drake Powell, you wouldn't imagine he's going to reclass. He's a guy that's taken a significant leap forward, but a lot of people think he can use another year. And I'm going to promise you, especially with the move that he just recently made, James Brown is not reclassifying to this class. So Kadu is pretty much your one guy. That would be one scholarship. So even if you have Kadu reclassify and you've got Wojcik in there, you still have four scholarships that are available to you. This is one of many moves. This could end up being the least significant move when we look back on it. But at the same time, can you really be all that picky? Because yes and no. Here's the thing about this kid coming in here. What's the one thing that he does really well in his career? They can shoot. Shoots the three ball well. Who on this roster shoots the three ball great? There's not like you you have to get better. So bringing, taking a flyer on this dude is not an issue. Now, if we get a few more, a few other transfers in here and he's looking like the best one of the group, okay, then we can start panicking a little bit. But to be panicking right now, I mean, guys, come on. Of course, they, they, this was their initial group that they had. Him, Nicholas Timberlake, couple other guys that slipped in there that don't really seem to be that closely tied. Those were guys that that were not in the NCAA tournament or even some of these smaller tournaments. So they got a head start on those guys. Of course, those are the guys that are going to commit first. The bigger names, as we've seen with the guys that have just entered the transfer portal in the last few days, including today on the day of recording... They're coming. So let's be a little patient here before we freak out. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. When you have a 20 and 13 year at Carolina, everything is going to be examined, re-examined, and, and, and oh, stuff like that. On the surface, this is a this is a solid pickup. In a perfect world, this guy probably comes off the bench for you next year. Yes. And I think the biggest thing that, you know, I would love to have answered is 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 there going to be a much more a, a a much larger commitment to playing these types of guys in November, December, January and then really tightening your rotation in in February and March. This is a kid that said publicly, look, I I want to I want to go to the next level and I want to play I want to play and compete. And so my my hope is is that with him coming here, you know, we saw him up close in, uh, uh 2 years ago. He can play he, he, he's a nifty little player. He can do a lot of great things. Hopefully, he's just given the opportunity to do that. And we'll be back later in the week to really break down Pax and Wojcik, get a little bit more info, a little bit more data, a little more film watching on the first guy to commit to Hubert Davis and Carolina in this, in this transfer portal cycle as Carolina is now in full-blown in the midst of overhauling and rebuilding their roster for next season. 
Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, guys, we do encourage you to visit our website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where it's like a freight train with, with articles coming out left and right. We've had you covered with every guy that Carolina has lost to the transfer portal. Of course, we'll have you covered with Wojcik's commitment to Carolina from the transfer portal. Even articles about other transfers that maybe Carolina should be interested in going after. All that content and so much more. Spring football practice, pro day stuff, all that football and basketball coverage. That's HeelToughBlog.com. Lastly, we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show. We'll be here all offseason, all spring, all summer talking Carolina basketball. Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show this basketball offseason. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.